Brother Ernie and Nancy Wyrick are here. They serve the Lord in Delta Junction, Alaska. Anybody ever been there? What? One. Two. Um, of course, Miss Darlene, Brother Danny, and Mrs. O'Malley, you've been there too? What? Okay. Alaska, thank you all for coming. And if you see them melting, just call him Olaf. You'll get it. Okay? All right. Thank you, for, thank you all for being here. They're part of the uh, guests who are coming in. We have about 100 people who are coming this week to visit. So come early, get your seats. Don't miss a service, daytime services. If you're off, come. Not off, <laughs> but off. You know what I mean. And so I want you to be here for that. Then we have with us Brother Seth and Caitlin Folkers, who are here, and they're going to Cameroon, Africa, and they're part of the invited guests for the mission family this week. And so as a mission conference, we want, we want you to wave at least, say hello. Yes, and we're glad they're here. Cameroon, anybody ever been to Cameroon? Well, Emily has from our office, but you knew that, Brother Seth. You didn't know Emily had been there? Emily Sanderlin. She's been there, so you could talk. Speaking of our staff, let me see if there's anybody else on this side. Danny and Darlene Whetstone, of course, are here, the president of our mission. And so we are grateful for that. Brother Danny and I are preaching together this week. And so if you want to make sure you come on the night of who is preaching, just come every night. We might switch it up one night. Okay. Then if our staff would mind standing, I, they'll hate this, but please, if our staff... Mother, two, yes, good, 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 good. My mom is here on the far left. Naomi Torberson is to her left. Becca Smilo is here, and she's to her left. Um, Emily Sanderlin is to her left. And Laura Smilo, you say, wait, there's two Smilos. They're sister-in-laws, okay? And so we're glad they're here. Our staff is incredible. Get to know them this week, and uh, they'll be a blessing to you just to get to meet them. They, are the re- they do the heavy lifting at Worldwide. They really do, and so we appreciate that. Pastor West, saving the best for last. Okay, so who was I headed to? Brother Stalkup is here. Brother Stalkup, and he has a wife and a daughter and, uh, and son, but where? Never mind, I won't ask. It's good to see you, Brother Stalkup. You left her in a room with people. Good call. Don't go back. No. Get to, Brother Stalkup and his family are here, and they are going to reach um, Arabic-speaking people, Afghans, Muslims, in New York City. And so, if you will, let's pray for them, and they're part of the conference. And then, of course, best for last, thanks, Brother Whetstone, is my wife, Kim, and she is here. She's the office manager. Apparently, they're not getting along together today because the staff and Kim is here, but she came to sit by me. And then, of course, Brother Jackie Elward is the associate pastor at one of our board members' churches, just like your church is a host church. Brother Elward comes from New Testament Baptist Church in Kinston, North Carolina, and he and his girls are here this week, and they... Um, are going to be part of the conference when Brother Daniel gets here. Brother Tim Daniel is the pastor of the church. But Brother Elwert's got a special role this week too. You'll see him a lot. All right? Now I want you to look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. The verse is on the screen behind you, but you might want to take note in your Bible. You might actually want to mark in it. I just did that for Brother Whetstone to pay attention. Brother Whetstone marks in his Bible... I do not, but I know there are people who do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, 
But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray together. Dear Father, this morning I ask you for your power, because I need it. And Father, this is a, a big week here at Memorial. And while we could have everything right and all the planning done and all the scheduling done and all those things, unless you breathe on this place and unless you breathe on the preaching and the singing, unless you touch this place, it's just going to be an effort of human existence. We don't want that, God. We want you to show up. Father, the assignment this week is talking about the eternal weight of glory. The assignment this week is to talk about the afflictions and of life. None of this can happen unless you help. Use Brother Danny this week. Speak through him to us from your word. Father, I ask the same for myself. Bless every missionary that's here to present their ministry. Bless every guest that we have coming in this week. God, I think about the miles that will be traveled and I ask you to grant them safety. Father, this moment now is when we begin and I pray for your touch and your power. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our theme is this idea from Scripture that says the eternal weight of glory. I'm going to preach five times, not all this morning, but I'll preach five times between now and next Sunday. Brother Danny will speak five times between now and next Sunday. And now we've not compared notes, but we've compared big ideas. Brother, I'm going to handle the passage of scripture that covers this, or if you will, the context from chapter 4, verse 1, to chapter 5, verse 10. That's kind of my big idea where I am. And in fact, we're, I'm going to talk about how the eternal weight of glory was communicated to the church at Corinth. Now I'm going to tell Brother Danny what he's going to do. He has no idea, but he's going to learn right now. Brother Whetstone is going to take Paul's life and how Paul's life was influenced by the eternal weight of glory. And so he's going to take this as a foundation passage, and then he's going to hopscotch around to other places in Scripture where you can see how the eternal weight of glory affected Paul's life and ministry. We're going to get that first sermon from him in the, in the second hour. And so I'm looking forward to hearing that as well. Isn't that about what we said you would do? Close? It's close enough. If not, just change up. And so... Tonight, or this morning, duh, tonight I'm going to preach too if the Lord hasn't returned. But this morning, I want to start with these three questions. And while I can read to you the entire passage, and maybe one evening I will, I just want you to think about these two verses, 16 and 17. And I want you to think about what Paul is saying. I want you to understand there are some strong contrasts that are made in verse 16. Watch what Paul says. 
for which cause, and that cause uh, would reference verse 1, the cause is the ministry. In fact, if you start reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and start to read through, you'll understand that Paul is dealing much about his ministry. Chapter 2 would be about his travel plans that he had. And by the time that you get to chapter number 4, he's talking about the nature of his ministry. And so when he says, verse 16, for which cause we faint not... We're talking about the cause of the ministry. So I want you to see this. Paul is going to take four specific common elements and explain them to us. He said, for which cause we faint not. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So Paul is going to make a comparison of our bodies. He's also going to make a comparison of strength. He's also going to make a comparison of afflictions, and he's also going to make a comparison of time. Notice those things if you would. He talks about that there's a possibility of fainting or being renewed. He talks about that there's an inner man and an outer man. He talks about the fact that there is a moment of time, and then there's eternity. And you notice the strong balances or the contrasts that are there to help us understand what is this thing called the eternal weight of glory. Not even to connect the first part of that verse that says that there is a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And so we're going to put all those together and maybe even this morning just open the doorway to this passage. We're going to look inside, see what it says, and then we'll come back to it again tonight if the Lord wills. These three questions will help you break apart the verse that we have before us. And this morning will be a little more instructional, but it has to be foundational because where we're going from here, everything stems off of this part. Notice what Paul is saying here. He talks about the outer man and the inward man, the fainting and renewal. He talks about light afflictions and the weight of glory. And he talks about moments and eternity. And honestly, for me, as I look at that verse, I think, okay, I understand there's an inner man that's the saved guy. There's the outer man that you see that gets weak and tired, fatigued. I understand that. Then I talk about the idea of fainting where and renewal. And I understand that. Those are a good contrast. And notice further what he says. There is a moment, a singular fleeting moment, and then there is eternity. And that's a balance of time. We have a balance of our bodies, our strength. We have a balance of our new man and our old man. That is to say who I am redeemed and who I was before I was redeemed. And so these exist, but there's this one that Paul uses called the eternal weight of glory. And this is why I came... These were, honestly, these were the three questions I asked myself as I started studying this passage of Scripture. How... Is it that afflictions can be light? I understood inner and outer. I understood weak and renewed. I understood moment and eternity. But how do you balance this weight of glory against afflictions? It's almost, it's the pair that doesn't seem to be a pair. It's a match that doesn't seem to be a match. And I'm not calling into question Paul's writing nor the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is precisely what we need. But I had to ask myself this question. How can afflictions be light? Number two, what is God's glory? I mean, if there is anything that's a church word, it's that. 
glory. I, you hear people say it in church sometimes. I've heard pastors say, glory. Some glory to God. We use it as an affirmation, a public affirmation or expression of worship saying, this is exactly how I feel. May the glory go to God. But what does that word mean? And then, if it's kind of abstract, the word glory, I mean, can you point to glory? Can you hold glory in your hand? It's a bit abstract or ephemeral. It's just that, it's like, uh, uh, really, the better word is, it doesn't have a real shape. I know, Alan, you want me to use the word amorphous, and I'm trying not to, but that's the word. But then Paul said, you could weigh it. How can you weigh something you can't hold? I mean, it's, that's my question. What is God's glory? And I know that's kind of like a double question, like, but it's, I said three, so I'm sticking with three, but it's like a two-part three. What is God's glory? And why is it considered heavy? And why are my afflictions considered light? The third question I want to try to answer this morning, if you'll listen faster. I, I text message Brother Danny this morning about seven and said, I feel like I'm already out of time and I hadn't even started yet. What is the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory? What does that superlative mean? Those three words, the far more exceeding. What does that mean? Because I think if we can understand where Paul was coming from in this, then we'll have a better understanding of what this whole week is about because if the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory influenced Paul's life, I wanted to influence my life. If it was important enough for the Holy Spirit to inspire Paul, breathe on him to write that and put it to the church at Corinth, there is a reason. Of course, my voice is going to change. 53 years old and it's happening this morning. There is some reason that he put that in the word of God for our benefit. So let's try to answer some questions. The first thing I want to deal with is how can afflictions be light? When Paul speaks of afflictions, you and I, when now I think maybe, let's not, I'll not assume. The word affliction is talking about a, an oppressive state. Something that's bothering you. You said, like when they take my parking space at church, that is not an affliction. <laughs> that's an inconvenience. Besides, your name isn't on it. So, oppressive state, a distress, that is an affliction. You say, well, Brother O'Malley, I've never met an affliction that I would call light. Paul must have been some lightweight when it came to afflictions. Could I ask you to just turn real quick to chapter 11? Because you and I would say afflictions, that's the stuff that's heavy. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul is writing to the church, same church at Corinth, same letter that we're reading, just later in the letter. If it weren't for the chapter numbers and verses... It would be hard to find stuff, but you have to keep in mind, it's just all one long letter. 
And the chapters help us, but at the same time, don't let it be a distraction to you to say, well, that's a different chapter. No, it's all one letter. So notice what he says, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Now, watch how he's using his language to help them see what he's trying to drive home a point. He said, I'll speak as a fool. I am, I am more than they are. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prison, more frequent. Now, you can't beat this next one. He said, I've been whipped more, worked harder, and I've died more than any of y'all have. He said, is that a metaphor? No. He really did die. And God resuscitated him, or, or resurrected him, I guess would be resuscitated mean there was life, that he brought him back to life. Said, so when you talk about afflictions, keep in mind, Paul said, my light afflictions, your light afflictions. We're talking about, how could those afflictions be light? Paul must have just been a lightweight when it came to afflictions, but he wasn't. Notice what he says. In deaths oft of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one, which meant that the Romans believed that if you whipped somebody forty times with the whips they used, they would die. He said, I was whipped five times with thirty-nine stripes. One stripe short of death, and that happened five times. Once was I stoned. That's not RU stuff, that's... Real rocks. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils by the, in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." Say, well, Brother O'Malley, then Paul must be in a state of denial. If he calls all that light stuff, what's the heavy stuff? What's the stuff that affected him? If he saw all of that as light, remember our question, how can afflictions be light? There are nearly, nearly 30 of things that Paul references in this passage. And if you and I were just speaking honestly, we would look at all of those afflictions, and if we put them on a scale, now, I know there's a scale down there, but I'm not allowed to touch it. I will get in trouble. By Boone? No, Sam. Sam said, I will hurt you if you do that. Kim fainted, said that I've already been touching it. Paul said, I was stoned. I was whipped. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and the day in the deep. I have perils in my life. 
say, Brother O'Malley, that's, that's not light. I don't know a person who, generally speaking, would say, without, without spiritual discipline, who would say, Yep, I got 30 problems right now I'm dealing with. That's nothing. No, we get one problem and we whine. We get one issue in our life and we become the drama queen. Or king, however, self-identify. <laughs> Paul said, this, to me, is a light affliction. So, when you, when you read that list in chapter 11, there's no way to say Paul was a lightweight when it came to affliction. If one of us had ever been whipped with 39 stripes, that's all we would talk about the rest of our lives. Yet I get back to chapter 4, and I look what Paul said, and he makes this contrast, the one that, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but the one that makes the least amount of sense. We understood inner and outer, we understood um, uh, uh, eternity and a moment, we understood Faint and renewed, we, we get all that. But how do you take this eternal weight of glory? And then you say that my afflictions are light. This is the pair that doesn't seem to match. Continue. It takes a mindset. Maybe you'll remember this. Maybe you just want to write the verse down. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7 and 8, Paul starts, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Why? Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You say, what kind of guy thinks that the gains are losses? What kind of guy that thinks that afflictions are light? Well, he's the kind of guy who has the right mindset. Paul would write also, or not write, but he would say to the churches, church leaders of Ephesus, when they told him, you're going to die if you go there. You're going to suffer if you go there. Acts chapter 20. What does he say to them? None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why? Because Paul thought differently about afflictions. And Paul thought differently about God's glory. So, let's give an answer to this question. My afflictions become light when I focus on my relationship with Christ more than I do my afflictions. You say, well, Brother O'Malley, when those afflictions come, that's all I can focus on. Well, let me help you go from kindergarten to first grade. Stop looking at the afflictions. Start looking at Christ. There's no way it could be that easy. Uh Uh-huh. You say, well, Brother O'Malley, I... I like looking at my afflictions. It's my pastime. 
I review. I have a list of everything that's going wrong in my life. I post it weekly on Facebook so everybody can see and know. I mention it often in the prayer request time so people know I have afflictions. As if we're in the affliction comparison mode. Well, she only had seven afflictions. I got eight. Super Christian. How do I get to the place where my afflictions are light, number one? I get there when I focus my relationship on Christ. The writer of Hebrews, who some say it might have been Paul, wrote in that chapter before you get to chapter 11, you know, the chapter of the the, uh, League of Extraordinary Believers, if you will. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, wrote in chapter 10 and verse number 34, Knowing in yourselves you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. This is the idea of saying, There is something more in life than my problems. The eternal weight of glory that he is putting on one side of the scale, with, if you remember here, I have... All of the afflictions, Paul's 30-some afflictions that he mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it has tipped the scale. But let's get to the next question. What is glory? And why is it considered as heavy? Now, when it comes to weight, I got this. I understand what weight is. (laughs) I'm watching you. When it comes to weight, it seems that we do give more weight to our afflictions than we do anything else. But we better understand what is glory. Because if we get an idea of what is glory, then we can understand the weight that it has. The glory of God is when God shows himself in all that he is and all that he has and all that he does. When God shows up, that is his glory. Say, that's a little abstract for me. Let me see if I can narrow this down. In the days of the children of Israel... Well, even before then, let let me, after then, but let me cover that first. When Christ went to what we refer to as the Mount of Transfiguration, that is a huge word. It just means that Christ was there in earthly form, then he was in heavenly form. There was this, this thing that took place. Matthew chapter, if you want to write it down, I'll read the passage to you. It's Matthew 17, verse 2, and then 5 and 6, and was transfigured before them. Watch these words now. This has to everything to do with the glory of God. His face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. And while yet he spake, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud. Now, I'm going to pause reading there. If you can remember back to... Studies in the Old Testament at some point in your life. Do you remember hearing about 
the children of Israel, how they were led in the wilderness. Do you remember that? A pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And that's how God led his people. That there were times that the cloud filled the temple or the tabernacle and you knew the presence of God was there. Remember the definition, the glory of God is when God shows himself in all that he is. And all that he has. And all that he does. The children of Israel could go to bed at night with a nightlight. God. They could worship and know his presence was real with the cloud that was there. Now we go back to the Mount of Transfiguration and those that knew the Jewish history would easily connect. There's the cloud. Look at this bright light. Remember when Moses received the the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments? What happened with his face? Why? It glowed. Why did it glow? He had been in the presence of God. So when, when the Hebrews, the Old Testament languaged people, when they referred to God's glory, there was a, the word carried the sense of weight. That it was heavy. How many of you have ever seen the Grand Canyon? A third. How many of you have ever seen the ocean? Most. Had a husband and wife, not one raised their hand, the other one didn't. We're going to go to family counseling after this. Apparently he went, she didn't. That's okay. Do you ever get that sense of standing in front of the ocean? Let me tip the hat toward Alaska. Or standing by a real mountain. Not what we call on the eastern side of the U.S. Not even the baby-sized mountains called the Rockies. But when we get to... Is it the Alaskan Range? That's what it's called. The Alaskan Range. How tall is um, McKinley? 20,000 feet. There are planes that don't fly that high of general aviation. Okay, so we're talking about really high. When you stand in front of something that is so vast, and you feel really insignificant, and you stand by the ocean and you're thinking, all I can see is waters. And there's just little old me. Well, I, you know, you. There's you. And then there's this ocean. Or you stand by these mountains and you feel like, I feel so insignificant. You, you look at the Grand Canyon and you realize, that's a, at the, the, the part where it's very popular. It's a mile deep. You go to Niagara and you watch these, the waters go over and you realize, this is huge. And the reason why we say glory can be weighed is because originally that's exactly how they felt. This moment is so heavy, it could only be described as God. And when God makes his presence known, I'm not saying today we should expect to see a pillar of fire outside over the church. You might see clouds, but that's just it's going to rain again and create another sinkhole. But, but you, you are not going to see that kind of thing. That's not typically how God acts in this age. But what you can know 
is the sweetness of his presence. So when Paul said, I have light afflictions, but over on this side, I have glory. How did these heavy afflictions get to be so light? He put God's glory on the other side of his scale. And he said, our light afflictions. He was never denying the fact that he had afflictions. But when the afflictions came, he always kept on the other side of the scale the eternal weight of glory. Glory is when God shows us who he is and what he can do. What if I took my eyes off of my afflictions and I put them on the glory of God? How strong is God? How wise is God? How holy is God? How righteous is God? How just is God? No wonder they had to use a word that had weight. And no wonder Paul said, I have a light affliction, but it's only light because of the weight of God's glory. Remember the answer to the first question? If I focus on my relationship with Christ and I take my eyes off of my afflictions, what happens? Something changes inside of me. The reason we consider God's glory heavy is because the weight of it, it felt as if God showed us his presence, his person, and his promise. These are the three ways we know God's glory, his presence. Remember the time, the moment ago I talked to you about the cloud, the fire, his presence. That's what we're talking about. When God shows who he is, that presence is real. You say, well, Brother O'Malley, does God make his presence known to us today? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this morning I'm walking down the hotel hallway and I started to think, why am I so excited this morning? I generally preach somewhere every Sunday, but why? Why am I excited this Sunday? And I just was rehearsing that with no one but me and God down the hallway. He didn't talk out loud. I didn't talk out loud, but it was all up here, okay? And I thought about, I can't wait to hear the congregational singing this morning. I can't wait to be with the fellowship of believers. I can't wait for the worship of God's people to take place. Why? Why would you anticipate coming to church? This is where God's people meet. This is my crowd. This is where I want to be. This is where God will show up. But God will show up in your devotions. God will show up in your prayer time. You'll sense His presence. Don't come back and tell me I got a cloud in my house and then the cloud in the house is just, you need to vacuum or something. But (laughs) but when God meets with you, you'll know it. You'll just know it. So God shows us his presence. God shows us his person. If you consider, um, let me, I have a passage here I want to read to you. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Firmament, firmament showeth 
his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God's power created this world. So when he shows us his person, he shows us his strength. I can walk outside and realize that didn't get here by itself. God put it here. And then the third one is God's promise. So how do I know God's glory? It shows up in his presence, his person, that is his power, what he does. And then there is also God's glory that presents itself in a promise. John 14, what does it say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Isaiah first wrote, Paul then repeated it in 2 Corinthians as well. He said, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered to the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Why? Because we realize there is a promise to enter into God's glory. There is a promise at the end of this life, because that which was sown in Corruption will be reaped in incorruption or raised in incorruption. We will go to heaven when we die if we've accepted Christ as our Savior. The promise of God's glory is that we will be with Him one day. You're out of time. You better listen faster. Last question. Preacher, do I quit at 10.15, When do I stop? Y'all have a good day. Sorry, I, I thought it was 15. I just turned off my notes. Okay, so yes or no, which do I do? Yes, sir. Last question, are we still on the screen? What is the far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. This, this one slide shows you that our staff did not review these slides for spell check or any other duplication. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. It's my first day with English. Far more exceeding. Three English words. If you read it where has Paul wrote it in that language, you would read two words. You would read them And you're thinking, what in the world? He just repeated himself. So far more and exceeding is exactly a great way to portray that. say, but what does that really mean? Have you ever heard of the term hyperbole? Hyperbole. Um, Her smile was as wide as a mile. He had a ton of donuts. Ooh. He had an ice cream cone that was piled a mile high. What is that? Yeah, you got excited on that when he woke up. The, the idea is that, that it's an exaggeration that's calculated to prove a point. Paul said, what we have waiting for us, and he used the word twice, and it's the same, if you took the word in, in its language, and you read it in English, just transliterate it, It's hyperbole. It's the same word. The Greek word is the same word as the English word. Hyperbole. Far more exceeding. 
excess upon excess. In fact, let me give it to you this way. It's beyond all measure, beyond all comparison, and beyond all proportion. Now, I'd like to tell you this next illustration is hyperbole. A bacon sandwich with a pound of bacon. It's not hyperbole. I ate it. Michigan. It's the only good thing I found there. Just kidding. Excess upon excess. What is excess upon excess? It's the very fact of what God has waiting for us. I can spend all of my days looking at this side of the scale... But the eternal weight of glory says, no, that is worth that. Father, thank you for these moments in your word. Bless the service and Brother Whetstone as he preaches. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.